I believe we're on air. We are live. It's it's what we always do though. We give it the five yeah. seconds, the proper amount of time. Exactly. And then we wait. There it is. Lovely. Great stuff. I have a nice Marmont shirt on right now. I the strikers. Stri- a throwback. That is. Yeah. That is. So we did get some comments while entering the studio from fans <clears throat> who yes, were we lining did. the doors, obviously, trying to maybe get some autographs and whatnot before we got in. I'm um, just saying, like, why just are the you... normal, yeah, just, you know, <laughs> walk stuff. through the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so the fans were like, "Well, where, where's the the Cog Weekly merch? Where's the COGM merch?" And we're like, you know, sometimes we want to make it casual. We yeah, just keep it laid back. For some of you, it's 9:45 right now. You don't want anything that is exactly. too crazy. You know what I mean? But something that is super crazy and we need to touch on and is really sad that's going on right now. Obviously, it's the title of this episode, and it is what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, and obviously, it is impacting football in very drastic ways, not only with what it's doing to certain players from Ukraine and Russia, but also <clears throat> what it's doing to clubs with, with higher-ups and also what it's doing to national teams. So I know you can touch on that a little bit before we get into the the other stuff that we're going to talk about this week. Yeah, I mean... It's like kind of grown and grown through the world of football, which obviously we um, have more connections to. And uh, so like a lot of clubs have, and even I believe UEFA or someone ended sponsorships with Russian brands, like, you know, Gazprom. Yeah. Yeah. So that a lot of teams ended their uh, sponsorships with that big brand that's from Russia. Um, Russian players actually, have posted on their social media against war. Small of. Yeah, exactly. Um, as well as, obviously, Ukrainian players and really a lot of footballers everywhere, no matter the nationality, um, in their support of Ukraine. And then just today, I believe, uh, UEFA and FIFA agreed to kick Russia out of World Cup 22, 22 in Qatar. They were in the like play-in tournament for it, similar um, to what the United States was in. Yeah, uh, in entering the 2018 World Cup phase, when obviously the U.S. failed to win against Trinidad and Tobago and then failed to make the World Cup 2018. But yeah, Russia are, are in or were in a similar situation than that. But then exactly, UEFA, uh, uh, eventually kicked them out after this. So, so yeah, they're not even going to be allowed to play if they even were able to play. Um, to get into the World Cup. And then probably the biggest news in terms of football um, is Roman Abramovich, who has been the owner of Chelsea for like nearly 20 years, who really has been like, I feel like he was the first owner to come in and really transform, Yeah. Um, spend a lot of money as we see now with like Man City and PSG. But he was kind of, I feel like the first that I knew of at least Yeah. who turn Chelsea from an average side to one of the best teams in England, if not the world. Um, he uh, had a statement. It was pretty vague, but something along the lines of he's handing over some kind of responsibility was... to the foundation, Chelsea Foundation, because um, he is uh, a Russian billionaire and he has ties to Putin. So there, it's a lot of he doesn't want to have him associated with the club at this moment, I think, which is smart of him. And I respect that and understand that um, the exact words or translation that was used was he's handing over stewardship, which is kind yeah. of a tricky one and somewhat confusing as obviously he still owns the club, but is not making, you know, decisions that impact them at the present moment. And instead, the Chelsea organization is doing that. But there has been some backlash. The Chelsea organization has refused that. And the Premier League is currently trying to work on a way for Chelsea to be still a club that is functioning and has someone making decisions whilst having their official owner being stepping or having stepped away and and saying that he's not going to be involved during this crazy time right now. But overall, there's been a lot of response. I mean, Zinchenko uh, was making a lot of headlines. He was crying while warming up for a game. And, you know, other players, maybe not as high quality or on as good of teams, but other players who have been impacted more or the same as Zinchenko um, have come out and, and spoke on this a lot, which is, I think, help helping connect the football community 
to what really needs to happen right now in Ukraine and help connect the world to what really needs to be happening in Ukraine. And that's, you know, everyone noticing what, what is happening and what's wrong and how we need to fix this, not only in Ukraine right now, but on a, on a larger scale of things. Yeah, I think football is obviously <clears throat> one of the biggest parts of a large part of the world and people's lives, and it's very important to them. So having that um, positive influence against what's happening right now from big-name players, big-name clubs, and everywhere in the world of football will then help outside of it Yep. because people are influenced a lot by, um, you know, their club, what they have to say, their favorite players. So it's just another use of their um, voices and their platform for good. So I think exactly. the response has been good. Um, but We obviously had to touch on that yeah. and make sure that <clears throat> everyone knew where we stood and everything and, and that we were going to make sure that that got the, the recognition that it needed right now as that's the main thing that's going on in the world that people need to be aware of and need to respect and 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 keep in, in consideration in their minds and their thoughts. But moving on to the, the regular list, the regular agenda that we do every single week, starting with the Hassani of the Week, we have three candidates again, still going with the traditional or the new yes. traditional of three candidates where we debate, we give them scores, we see what the chat has to say, and then we find our winner. So this week, our three candidates are... Kelleher, the Liverpool goalkeeper who played in the EFL Carabao Cup final and won it with them. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, currently with Barcelona. And Carlos Vea, who played his first game in the MLS this season, uh, two days ago, I believe. Yeah, And so. did very well. We'll talk about that. But three players who definitely deserve to be on that list of nominees. And starting with Kelleher who is a backup goalkeeper for Liverpool and has only really gotten his time in the EFL Carabao Cup so far, did a fantastic job throughout the game, throughout the 120 minutes. You can't say he did a fantastic job during the shootout, considering both goalkeepers let in 10 penalties, but he did do, or I mean, Kepa let in 11. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but both goalkeepers let in as many penalties as they could, but he did a fantastic job throughout the game. He made some huge saves. Exactly. So overall, great performance from him. Yeah, six saves overall. Um, probably most notably the one against Pulisic really early on in the game, like point blank save. Um, really keeping Liverpool in a game where Chelsea had a lot of chances, a lot of grade-A chances where Mount missed a couple. Um and Chelsea maybe should have gone in front, but it stayed 0-0. We'll talk about that game a little more, but um, obviously Mendy as well on the other side had a very good game, but Fantastic subbed game. out for Kepa, as you said. I feel like um, Kelleher is nominated just because, like you said, backup keeper Klopp said he wants to see, he knows he's ready for the big stage um, for Liverpool, and he wanted to see him do that, and he he delivered. You, you can't really do much better than clean sheet, clean sheet against Chelsea outside of the pens. It was a tough one, but his first time in a cup final, his first time really playing in a huge match for Liverpool, and that being a cup final that went into extra time, went into penalties, and went to a place where he himself had to take a penalty is something that you rarely, if ever, will see in your lifetime. And for Kelleher to be the person in that position, huge props to him. He handled the pressure really well. Like you said, he had that great save on Pulisic in the beginning of the game. He also had a great foot save towards the end of the game in extra time. And yes, Liverpool's defense was very, very good, but he did a fantastic job keeping the ball out of the net. You know what I mean? So he he is up there most definitely. The next most notable player that we're going to talk about is someone who has, since the last podcast that we did, scored two goals in two games. But we're also considering his performance eight days ago, where he scored three goals, one which was a bit iffy and went off the back of Pedri, but still got counts. <laughs> still got a hat trick. And that is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who has five goals in now three games and seems to be off to a fantastic start with Barcelona. And something that we didn't see really at all towards the end of his Arsenal career. No, and I remember you said last pod, you're like, oh, he should, probably should get a honorable mention or whatever yeah. for the Hassani because he did score the hat trick. But, I mean, Barca have really turned it around in their last three games. They've scored 
four goals in those last three games, so 16 um, or 12 in all. And, I mean, they're back to their best. Xavi hasn't played great um, football. And Aubameyang, you know, I don't know how many would have predicted him to get off to this good of start. Um, also, shout out to Adama Traore as well, who yep. um, if you watch like that Napoli game especially, he was making very good um drives with the ball and then laying it off and uh creating chances so first assist of the game to Jordi Alba exactly went up the field did very well and overall has been playing very well under that Xavi system which is you know a whole nother story but he was counted out to do so throughout his time at Barca so yeah Pierre-Emerick does get a nomination and rightfully so and you know overall I think I think he's been doing very well and if he continues this form throughout the rest of the season I think we're going to see Pierre back to the level of praise that he was getting from the fans at Dortmund and early Barca or, or early uh, Arsenal yeah. days. And then the third player that we'll be talking about is an MLS player. But to be fair, an MLS player who has for the past three, four years been considered one of, if not the best player in the whole league. And that's Carlos Vea, who on his first game back with LAFC, in the 2022-23 MLS season, scored a fantastic hat-trick. Typical Carlos Vea fashion, yes. three great goals, and overall a fantastic performance. Exactly. Uh, LAFC obviously didn't do great last season, um, underperformed, but Vela, like you said, just levels above, it seems, at, um, with some of his performances in the past couple of seasons. Uh, do you think he will be um you you know do you think he'll like push on to be that best player do you think maybe chicharito or newly douglas costa as well who's come in for la galaxy um might you know rival that spot talking about the player of the year i think if i'm just isolating douglas costa it's a hard one i know peyton thomas uh, co-host for the supporters pod talked about this about four or five episodes ago on their podcast when douglas was originally moving over and and he was discussing how Douglas Costa is a great player, but at the same time, he's not someone who's going to come over and be MVP caliber right away in his first season because you have people like Chicharito in front of you who he can feed. He's going to get some assists and he's going to get a goal here or there, but we think, or at least he thinks, and I would agree with him, that he's going to ease his way in. And especially in the position that he's going to be playing, I think it's much more likely that Chicharito gets that that fame because he is playing that out now number nine he's going to get the goals and they're not going to highlight the person who might be bringing the ball down the field as much that being said Carlos Vea versus Chicharito at the moment I'd probably go Chicharito because prolific striker prolific well-known striker and whatnot but I do think that if Carlos Vea finds the form that he had two seasons ago there is no question that he could be MVP and and rightfully so yeah and I feel like well, so Vela did score it against Colorado Rapids, who were number one seed yep. in the West uh, last season. And I feel like, you know, looking at the results from opening weekend, the Western Conference definitely won this one, I feel like. Yeah. Um, LA Galaxy beat New York City, who were the reigning champions. Uh, Chicharito did score in the 90th minute to win that game. Uh, Portland drew with New England, who New England were the number one seed as well in the East, and Portland, obviously, in the finals um, last year, too. So, honestly, Austin winning 5-0, like, it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, it will. We can touch on the United game after we finish up the Hassani, but, you know, unpredictability, it, as we said. It is the most unpredictable league. So, I was looking at the odds for each team to win the yeah. MLS Cup, and LAFC were first in those rankings, that were posted by it might have been Bleacher Report or someone like that, and yeah, the like odds were the well. odds were seven hundred and fifty to one, and wow. that is incredibly low. And then yeah. you look at Minnesota United and they're twenty five hundred to one, and then the lower teams are like seventy five hundred to one, but just showing that you know seven hundred fifty to one is incredibly small odds. So no yeah. one has very good odds to win it. They can't no. they have no idea what's going on or who's going to lift the trophy at the end of the year. It's mostly just a a projection of preseason and last season somewhat. But like you said, LAFC not having the best year last no, year, yeah. 
it's it's entirely just up in the air. No one really knows what's going on. Those predictions that that people post are are ones that are I think invalid entirely until you get later in the season and can see how teams are doing. But it is interesting to see that you know even the biggest media outlets recognize that you can't predict it. You you just can't at all. No. But he had a great game, Carlos Vela himself, and definitely deserved that Hassani of the Week nomination. So now me and you can hash it out. If anyone watching wants to put in the chat what they think the who they think the Hassani of the Week would be and the rating, you can. But first off, who do we think the main player will be before we put our ratings down? Um, for me, I'm gonna go Kelleher. Okay. Because like you said, um, very good performance for him being a backup goalie over Allison at Liverpool, Cup Final, Wembley, sold out, six saves, winning penalty, so many things to go off of. Obviously, Aubameyang, um, you know, he is on very good form, and I think that is um, very credible. But Vela as well, a hat trick. We have a lot of hat tricks, to be honest. We do. Sterling. I just think. Kelleher for his position and stepping up to the occasion in such a big game for a trophy is well worth the Hassani of the Week. So I'm going to back that as well. He had a good performance all around. He made some really good saves, like we said. And he was in a game that, although is not considered in the the traditional well, yeah. treble, was still a cup final. And it's one of the three major domestic things you can win within England, which is arguably the best league system of professional soccer in the world so he stepped up to the occasion he delivered and with the pressure that must have been on him in extra time late extra time and then also penalties even stepping up to take his own which he buried yeah it's one of those where you just have to give it to him out of respect out of the occasion you know it's a combination of everything sure carlos vea got the hat trick that's great He's done well. Sure, Aubameyang has five goals in three games. But these are games, you know, it's opening day of the MLS season or it's league games throughout for Barcelona or Europa League. And overall, you look at their last three games, four games that Aubameyang has been a part of, and if he doesn't score those goals, they're actually still winning. Yeah. He's not making them win or being the main contributor to their success, he's just adding on to it. I mean, it's there's something to be said for, and we will talk about it later when we talk about our predictions from last week, but Barca doing so well at just getting in four goals consistently throughout the past couple games and continuing their form and continuing to push on. So that being said, I think definitely Kelleher deserves it. And so he's the player that we'll be voting on. I see that we have one for 8.5. I would probably go... Um, I'd probably go an eight because, I mean, it's hard. Anthony Alanga got an eight last week. Yeah. And it's hard to, I think you have to have a really good performance to go above an eight. I mean, you have to be world class and he wasn't. We're just, you know, we're respecting the occasion. It's similar to that Alanga moment where we're respecting the occasion and whatnot. So I would go with a solid eight. I would go... Probably 8.5 as well. I think there's not much he could do better or any goalie, as we saw with Mendy, um, even though his side did lose. I think there's not much you can do better as a goalie in a performance in a big game. And I think 8.5, definitely better than the Sterling and Alanga the past two weeks. So, yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, and then also, Sutton, do you have a vote? Oh, I yeah, we can include Sutton on this. One, one important detail is... Uh, Kelleher, the goalie, is ginger, so he is ginger. that might influence your vote there. We're just out of 10. What are you saying? Yeah. Taking into account everything, I'm going to go a 9. Okay, so nine. we've got an, a 9 oh, okay. there, so yeah, I'll add that. Like a but he, yeah, but he's ginger, so you the have to add, does add two If points, people couldn't yeah. hear that on the mics, Sutton said, I was going to go with a 7.5, but because he's ginger, I have to add those points yeah. and bring him up to a 9. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we should get a Sutton microphone so that he can... It might be an investment. It might be an investment for the future. Yeah. You know, so that he can just make his little bits and bobs here and there. Okay, so that will give like 20 more seconds. But right now, 
our average would be 8.5 exactly. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I do as well. We'll give it a little bit more. <laughs> Sutton Mice. I don't think we're meaning to say Sutton Mice there, Angie, but I... Sutton Mice. Sutton I yeah, Sutton yeah. Mice. Or Sutton Mice, you know. Mike. Sutton Mike. Oh, oh, so it wasn't nice. It was no. Mike. It was right. Mike. Mice. Multiple Mikes. Yes. Sutton with multiple. You know when they do the... Uh, surround sound. Surround sound of Sutton. Yeah. You can just hear them clicking, clicking yeah. away and whatnot. Oh, and, and a Sutton camera. Sutton, how, when are we going to do a face reveal? Special occasion. It, it has to be a special occasion. Episode 100. Episode yeah. 100. Everything is coming on episode 100, I swear. But yes, okay, so I think that makes time for everything. So our final is 8.5 for Kelleher. I think that's respectable. We just keep going up in the. We the do. It went 7.5 for Raheem Sterling, then 8 for Anthony Lenga, and now 8.5 for Kelleher. But you know, we need. We need that like initial group so we can then compare. Oh, it's it's a control. Yeah, we need the control so we can compare to see, all right, this guy got these many goals, this guy had that performance. How does that compare to the ones we've given before? And then we'll even out, I feel like. Exactly. So we we realized while we were away from the pod for the past couple of days that oftentimes we give our predictions for next week, but we haven't been reviewing the predictions we made for last week and reviewing those games and talking about what happened. So, going around with last week's predictions, um, we had Napoli, Barcelona, Philly versus Minnesota United, and Chelsea versus Liverpool. And these were the three games that we predicted on, starting with Napoli versus Barcelona, which was, like we said last week, initially 1-1 on aggregate. And Barca actually eventually won this game 4-2. And overall... Xavi has been doing absolute bits with this Barca team. The first goal came from Jordi Alba. It was done really nicely by Adama Traore. It was passed up to him by, I believe, Frankie de Jong, and then he took it really nicely, used his strength that we all know he has, and then just dinked it to the side for Jordi Alba to finish. The second goal was Frankie de Jong, which was an absolute belt of 30 goal. yards yeah. out. Third goal was, I believe, Aubameyang. Was um, it PK? It might have been PK, but it was one of the yeah. two. Aubameyang and PK scored as the last two goals. Aubameyang's was very good as well. Exactly. And the two goals for Napoli were Insigne off a penalty and Politano late in the game when it didn't really matter anymore. Napoli are now out of the Europa League, which is a bit of a shock, but it was a hard matchup to come against, especially with the Barca team doing this well right now. So... I, it, I think we have to touch on, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier with Aubameyang doing well, but just how much Xavi has changed this side. I mean, yeah, obviously as we uh, touched on when he was first uh, hired as the manager and had those first couple games, Barca were already low in form, but then now last probably five games or so, they've really picked it up. They're scoring goals as freely as we've seen Barca teams in the past and not conceding many as well. So I feel like he's really figured it out. He's had his time with the team to implement his play style. Um, I think it's just great to see. Obviously, it would have been not a great story if he comes back to his, you know, his club that he made his name and then he kind of flops as a manager. So exactly. hopefully he continues this. And I mean... Europa League could be a realistic goal now um, since they're past Napoli. They have that confidence. Um, I mean, I don't know how many better teams there are in Europa League uh, that didn't get knocked out in this round. Uh, so, yeah, I think obviously right now their goals are top four in La Liga, definitely. And then I think Europa League they should definitely focus on now to – because I think that would be huge for a trophy for Xavi's first year. Exactly. And right now in La Liga, they're sitting in fourth place with 45 points. Real Madrid are a ways away in first with 60. But Real Betis are only one point ahead of them. And they could possibly catch up to Sevilla, who are nine points ahead of them right now. Yeah. So there is some room with a lot of time left. And they definitely, I think, can hold that top four spot throughout the rest of the La Liga season. So I think that's definitely, like you said, a realistic goal. And then just getting that Europa League, proving that coming from the back of a really unsuccessful time with Ronald Koeman and, and completely changing the, the culture and intensity of play and how they play 
and and getting the reward for that you know getting your Europa League trophy getting top four when everyone counted you out mid-season and whatnot I think that would be a huge accomplishment for Xavi really respect him as a coach it's going to show how well he actually did when he wasn't in La Liga when he was back in Saudi Arabia I believe um and and just how how good of a coach he is at, at, at spreading his philosophy and whatnot yeah I mean do you think I have my own opinion on this, but do you think it was smart that he did go to a very unknown and relatively unwatched league I to do. start and really find out what it's like to be a manager, what it's like to have your own play style, not getting constant like reporters and media being like, oh, he's not good, all that. Because like, as far as we know, European media... And U.S. media never really touched on Xavi's team when he started out unless they were doing well, and they did do well. So I think that's probably a very smart move that maybe other young managers might have to look at and follow. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. I think that it was quite possibly the smartest move that he could have done as an upcoming manager. And the reason for that is not only the the seclusion of the league and the the lack of outside media from from Europe and the United States and whatnot, but also the fact that he was going to a powerhouse club in that league and given financial resources to succeed. So he was basically put in a situation where he's not being watched very heavily. And on top of that, he has an abundance of resources to create his play style and create the type of team he wants to and experiment and tweak things here and tweak things there to really find his identity as a manager and what kind of team he wants. And so he built that when he was in Saudi Arabia. I keep saying Saudi Arabia and I I don't know 100%. I, yeah, we we check. should probably check, but I'm pretty sure he was in Saudi Arabia. But he built that when he was over there and then having that play style, having that sense of identity as a manager has allowed him to come to Barcelona and totally implement that without having the chance of making mistakes and not knowing what you're going to do and having to tinker around with things while you're with Barcelona, resulting in you not living up to the expectations as a manager and your team not succeeding. So overall, I think it was an unbelievable decision from him to go over there, and I think he used that opportunity really well. So yeah, they, he managed Al Saad and they're in the Qatar Stars League. Qatar, okay. Um, so, yeah, obviously, the only time I ever saw them was when they scored a fantastic goal, and people yeah. were like, Xavi's doing so well. But I every time that that team didn't do well, if there was, it never got sent over no. to media in yeah. Europe or the United States. So he, I think he made a huge decision there, and it turned out to be really, really well. Angie said, smarter than Oscar going to China. I think they're totally different. <laughs> Oscar was going for a bit of the money, you know, a bit of cash. Yeah, maybe. And maybe that's a smart decision for him, True. obviously. Certain people are driven by different things. But I think Xavi's decision was definitely better for his future footballing and managing career. Moving to the next match, which we predicted last week. And it is coming back to the MLS. We already talked about it once with... Uh, with Carlos Vea, and and now we're going to talk about it with Minnesota United, our very own team that we watch and support. But that match that we predicted was Philadelphia Union versus Minnesota United FC, which ended as a 1-1 draw, and it was MLS opening day, like we said before. It was, it was the first game for every team. And I came out of the game feeling very disappointed, not only in our own team's <laughs> success and play style, but also in the overall quality of play in the MLS. It's just so much different when you watch the Premier League for six months without seeing any American football. Yeah, I know. I We were talking during the game, and I would said this to you. I was like, wow, watching Premier League, the top-level soccer you can find anywhere, for a couple months and then seeing an MLS game, like you... You that's when you realize the difference in players and the difference in level that's just so much more. Like, I think first touch, just quickness of play, um, all of that, just if you look at that, if you watch a Premier League game and then you watch an MLS game, like that's the thing that stands out to me the most. And obviously, we'll get used to it. And We will. But that was definitely 
shocking to us it was shocking it was yeah. so surprising and it's crazy because i have the utmost respect for a lot of these players i mean hasani dotson yeah, our very bad. own yeah. you know the player that we name the show after or we name a huge segment of the show after plays on minnesota united and he's a phenomenal player and does really really good things with minnesota and if you put him on a field with like anyone else he's gonna outplay them 100 of the time yeah. but it's just the little bit of extra decision making and IQ and speed of play, like you were saying, where the Premier League just moves that bit faster and every touch is a bit cleaner. So instead of feeling like you're watching a game of run at the other team, lose it, run at the other team, lose it, run at the other team, lose it, which is what the MLS is like, and that can be interesting and very entertaining. When you watch the Premier League, it seems more methodical. It seems yeah. like every play is is mapped out and everything you do has a meaning behind it. And so you have to get used to just the difference in play. They both can be very entertaining, but they're so different. Yeah, the execution is just just levels above. But I think it's also good to realize that and then to th really give credit to those MLS players that do go on to play Europe. Exactly. Um, like we've seen so many U.S. players. Or and... even Zlatan who went to the MLS and then went exactly. all the way back to Europe and is doing fantastic. Exactly. And The adaptation. Yeah. Um, but for this game... The opening game, uh, Robin Lud scored the opener as he always does. As he scores it left foot in the box. He wouldn't score any other type of goal, and you know we were feeling good. The free kick was fantastic from our new signing in the center of midfield. Yes, Kervin Arriga. Yeah, Arriga. I think yeah. Um, yes, he he played okay, and I think. It is tough because we were missing who will trap. We were missing will trap. We were missing Metanair. That was Gasper as well. Oh yeah. So three. We played Coleman. Uh, where do, who did we play at left back? Um, we played. We, oh, we played Debassi at left back. Yeah, that's and what it was. And then Coleman and Box Fisher at right back, who is our new signing from Galaxy. So mm -hmm. we were missing three pretty big defensive uh, starters for this game, but I think. Only conceding one on the road, uh, where we've really struggled on the road, is definitely a positive to take. Uh, I think I I noticed where our attacks came from counterattacks mostly. Agreed, one hundred percent. It almost felt like the whole game came from counterattacks. Yeah, it was just end to end the whole exactly. time. And the the craziest part about it was the space in the middle was enormous yeah it was so big there was no pressure on the midfielders they could turn and just play it forward and then it was just attack versus defense of each team it was a strange game it was it, i have to admit it was a very yeah. strange game but a point on the road like you said not a bad start when you're looking at overall performance from the team just like statistically speaking you need points you got points yeah i thought reynoso also had a he very did. good game he, he looked did. back like obviously he was not in jail yeah true <laughs> obviously the last game we saw him was the atrocious performance in the playoffs where he got knocked out was it kansas city i can't remember yeah but, um that left kind of a sour taste uh in our mouth as looking at reno so but this game he really um looked back to his best he was really controlling he was passing the ball more um had that energy so that was good to see as well Philly a good side, and we'll take the point. Agreed. Moving to the last game that we predicted, probably the biggest game of the week, and one that we've already covered a little bit, it is the EFL Carabao Cup Final, which, as we discussed earlier, finished in a penalty shootout, which Liverpool won. Kelleher, obviously the Hassani of the Week winner, was the goalkeeper for Liverpool during the game. And it was a very entertaining game for a nil-nil draw. I think... I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail about it because we did cover it a lot, but yeah. there was some really outstanding performances. Kovacic did really well. And overall, I think it was one of those where you watch the game and it's very rarely do you ever stay glued to your TV when it's nil-nil, but I did. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the level of intensity that was in that game is what you... That's what you hope for every time there's like a big six matchup in the Premier League, but it doesn't always turn out that way. But this game, every single player was sprinting, going into challenges. Um, like it was just back and forth and really entertaining. Obviously, there were a lot of chances for a 0 0, and it definitely shouldn't have been 0 0, but that's what it came out to be. Went to penalties. 
Liverpool came up on top. Um, I hadn't seen Luis Diaz at all, really, in his first couple of performances, but I watched this game, and he's, like, very explosive from the wing. He's very good. I think he, he had, like, five no-look passes. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? He yeah. kept doing no-look passes. He's phenomenal. Yeah. It was it was just really fun to watch. Kovacic, as you said, um, I, he's just earning my respect more and more every time I see him play. Um, and then... I mean, the Kappa story is just... The Kappa story is crazy. Yeah. Subbed on to help Chelsea in the penalty shootout because everyone knows Kepa is a penalty demon. He's a beast. He actually is really good at penalties, normally speaking. And well, he, he refused to he refused come to leave off the field. last Carabao Cup that Chelsea were in. And they won. No, they lost. I oh, think. they did? Yeah. No, I thought they won. I think they lost. You got to research that. I'm pretty sure... I might be wrong. I don't want to... Question. I think he stayed on. He's like, no, I'm good at penalties, at saving penalties, and then they lost the game. But look look sure. it up. I want to. I want to see because I think I've been telling everyone that I know. Oh yeah, they they won that game. It was a crazy story. Let's see who won it. Oh, City. Oh, it was City. Yeah, yeah but so City. he's not. He's not got a great record yeah. in the NFL Carabao Cup final. Just in that, yeah. Just those just, two control games. Yeah, just not, in that com- not competition. Not great, yeah. but he did get subbed on to be in the penalty shootout and didn't save ten penalties, and then missed his own penalty, and it wasn't just missed wide or saved; it was out of the stadium. Yeah, it it looked like he almost hit a goal kick. Exactly. It it was. I was. He ran up to it. Was so he paid, nonchalant? Was he paid off? There like, is a chance. He, you know how nonchalant he ran up to that. Yeah, it was and then crazy. he didn't even he didn't even like react really. Yeah, looking back on it, like he comes in, doesn't save a single penalty, and then when he has his time to do something where he doesn't have to save or anything, he actually has to kick a penalty. He just you know boots it over the bar and then walks away. So I mean, conspiracy maybe. Yeah, we could be saying like <laughs> Peter Drury paid him off to try to get a better commentary. True. Did you see the Peter Drury day in the life? I did see that. He posted just today. It, yeah. it, it was great. I saw a little bit of him. You know, he woke up. He ate his breakfast. Arlo White also out. does those. Do you see those? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're always fun to see. Yeah, no, it's great to see, especially for a geezer like himself, who's still top geezer, top, 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 of top the bloke, line. top, top bloke. Yeah. But yeah, he it was it was pretty fun to see that. And overall, in my opinion, best commentator in the world. But yeah, that game was crazy. The amount of offsides, I know Angie said in the chat, was Havertz ever onside. I think there was multiple so like many. five to ten offside opportunities that were called off and then three offside goals. Yeah, one for Liverpool, like two for Chelsea. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was crazy. It was a ridiculous game with regards to offsides and VAR. And there were some questionable VAR lines drawn. True. Definitely, especially in that Lukaku the goal. The Lukaku goal. It was very, very questionable. And so Van Dyke getting called offside for interfering interfering with play. I yeah, don't know. it's a little bit of a yeah. shove, but I don't really know how that works. I, leave it up to VAR people. I don't have enough knowledge or <laughs> books to be able to say yeah, exactly if, if that is actually a rule or not. Moving away from the matches that we predicted last week and just on to one bit of news that we want to cover before we get into our predictions for this next week. It is... Jesse Marsh being the new Leeds manager, that meant that Marcelo Bielsa was parting ways, quotations around that, from yeah. the club. He was obviously forced to leave. <laughs> asked to leave. Asked to yeah. leave, but he he parted ways with the club. And it is important to remember that Bielsa was one of the best managers that Leeds have ever had and really helped them get back to their best or I wouldn't say their best because they were fantastic in the late 1900s, but getting back to the premiership and getting them in a place where the club hadn't been for quite a while and establishing a sense of community, I think, within Leeds fans. I think all of that was definitely due to Bielsa, and it's important to recognize that and appreciate him for what he did for the club. But as time comes for, for every manager at every club, like I was talking to Someone about this earlier, but like how Chris Hewton had to leave Brighton and then Graham Potter came in. I have the utmost respect for Chris Hewton. He did great. He helped Brighton so much, but then we needed a change. It's a similar situation. It is. So. I Yeah. I I thought it was going to be a situation uh, kind of like Norwich, I think, when they got relegated and they were awful, like 
two seasons ago, but kept their manager and then came right back up with the same manager. I thought that's what was going to happen. I didn't really see this coming uh, because Bielsa is loved so much by Leeds. But like you said, sometimes the club really has to take over and say it is time for a change. Jesse Marsh, obviously, uh, I think second ever U.S. manager in the Premier League. And he came from New York Red Bulls to Salzburg to Leipzig. So he's in that Red Bull kind of system. And I'm really excited to see how he does. Obviously, I don't think Leipzig might. I think they've had a bit of a rocky season. I'm not sure. Um, But, you know, he has Champions League experience, Bundesliga. And I think it's a good move. I, I think it is good for Leeds to try not a very known like just brexit ball as they say like a sam allardyce or something like that exactly uh i do think it's interesting that he has made it to such a high level of managing when he only played his in his senior career throughout the americas he played at dc united and then he played at chicago fire for seven years and then moved to chivas usa for three years to finish his career in the Liga MX. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he has only really played in the Americas, Mexico, and the United States uh, throughout his playing career. And then throughout his managing career, this is his first time really leaving the Red Bull system. Yeah. He did manage Montreal Impact uh, for a little bit before he went to the Red Bull system at New York Red Bulls. That was only a year-long stint, and he did assistant coach with the US MNT back in 2010, but this is his first real time leaving that Red Bull system and trying to branch out at a high level. So I'll be really interested to see how his time at Leeds goes. And another thing that, thing that I'm interested in in keeping watch on is how Jesse March is someone who's very keen on signing American players. He brought yeah. Brendan Aronson to Salzburg, a, a player who's been on our podcast, Caden Clark, was uh, signed with Leipzig while Jesse Marsh was there, and he brought Tyler Adams. Uh, he, was, he was part of that deal, um, bringing Tyler Adams to Leipzig. So he has given a chance to a lot of American talent and then left a lasting impact on those clubs to continue mm-hmm. wanting to bring American talent in. So I'll be very interested to see how that kind of bleeds into leads. Obviously, Jack Harrison, who played at Wake Forest, he's not American, but he did grow up in the United States and went to school, high school in the United States, and then went to college. So he is a product of the United States system, is obviously playing in the Premier League now. But I will be very interested to see what happens with his signing. Someone in the chat, Angie, just said Caden Clark to Leeds. I have no idea. I do have connection to Caden, but I have no idea if he is going to Leeds or not. I'm assuming that I'll be hearing that at the same time as you guys yeah. if that were to happen. <laughs> but uh, it, I I just think overall for American players, it's a great pathway into the Premier League. Yeah. I Like you said, I don't think we have another connection um, in the Premier League that can bring those U.S. players in. Um, obviously, at Man U, the former Red Bulls coach, I think, is on is an assistant coach um, under United Ralph. Yeah. So I think those are the only two. So, I mean, yeah, obviously, there is that connection to Manchester United, but I think Leeds is a better option for a lot of young U.S. players, um, and especially Jesse Marsh's play style and what Leeds have been known to play. It's just a great club, and I hope... I hope they stay up, um, and I think they're in now with him taking over a good position to do that and to move on. I would completely agree. I think, like you said, just very interested to see what happens with that Leeds team and, and if they can you know, climb their way up and, and stay in the Prem and then see what happens in, in the coming years and if Jesse Marsh is able to stay with them and, and make a lasting impact. Moving to everyone's favorite or second favorite part after the Hassani of the week. Second the, favorite. It, it has to be second. The predictions for next week, we have three games that we are going over. One is the... What? Uh, it, yeah, it's probably it, my, your least favorite part. It's It's, uh, it's not. It, my yeah. record is bad. You, we can touch on the records in a bit, in a second, but the, the three games on screen that we're going to be discussing for everyone listening is the Milan Derby... Uh, which will be happening in the Copa Italia first leg. So they're meeting in the 
Italian version of the FA Cup, and then also the Manchester Derby, and then LAFC versus Portland Timbers, which is Timbers and MLS Cup finalist, and LAFC, the number one ranked team right now to win, or the number one team in odds to win the MLS Cup this year. Now looking at the records, I'm not doing so hot. 5-13 and 13 for myself. You have made a huge comeback, though. I think we... I. I you believe, can't say we. I believe it's <laughs> the first. No, I, I think we have our first three and O weekend. Yeah. Because you went I went crazy. I went three and O, especially predicting a draw. Yeah, you predicted which, a draw. As we've for talked about, is a Philly lower, Minnesota United, which, as we talked about, is a lower percentage, uh, choice. As I so, did the math for last yeah, week. Somewhat, <laughs> <laughs> somewhat math. Uh, but yeah, I've broken even. Which is insane. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, You're going crazy. Hopefully I maybe go positive for the first time That would be ever. incredible. I don't think it's going to happen because I think that was like the first time I've ever been positive. Yeah. Well, that 3-0 really, yeah. really helps. 3-0 just boosts it. You really need a 3-0, a couple 3-0s. I need three 3-0s. Yeah, which is possible. Anything's possible. These are some tough games to predict, I think. So this is this is a very difficult one. I'm very likely to be five and sixteen next week. Not with that attitude, though. Because right? uh, <laughs> the attitude changes how the players play. Exactly. Yeah. So you gotta have confidence. In, yeah. So the first game, Milan derby. It's happening, like I said, in the FA Cup of Italy, the Coppa Italia. It's the first leg. They play two legs when they get this far into the competition, into the knockout stages, and AC Milan is currently second in the Serie A, and Inter Milan is currently third. They are both doing very well this year. We talked about Inter last week a little bit and talked about how Eden Dzeko has been filling in the, the role of Romelu Lukaku very well and overall how they're, they're firing well as a team. And then also AC Milan is doing very well. So it's a tough one to predict, and I'm very tempted to... Put my money on AC Milan, who is in second in the league right now and is higher up in points, but I have to go with Inter because I like them as a team. I think they have great potential, some great players, and I I need to go with my heart. It's what I keep saying, but I think it's yeah. going to eventually salvage me. It should pay off. It, it's going right? to pay off. Yeah, yeah, that's the real question. If it pays off after the season's over, I'm kind of screwed. Yeah, exactly. And... I'll go AC Milan. That was going to be my choice uh, anyway. And I think a Rafa, Liao, Liao. Uh, yeah, Liao. Ibrahimovic. The Portuguese striker. Great little. They are doing very two. well up top yeah. together. Let me get their stats up real quick because um, those two are under an underrated strike partnership right now that's doing phenomenal in Europe. I don't know how often I go for the favored team, but I think... Both teams are at home. There's no home advantage. They both play at the San Siro. So. Yes, but, it, which is a very interesting part of this derby. Yeah, and like that's very unique for world football as well. But AC Milan is my pick. Uh, do you have the stats? I don't. I do have the stats. The, the team is doing really well, so I'm guessing they're doing well. So currently, uh, if you add everything together, Rafael Lau, who is a young Portuguese striker for any, for anyone who doesn't know, he plays at AC Milan currently. Strike partnered with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's played in 29 games, has 11 goals and 6 assists. So really good stats. Very good, yes. And I'll pull up Ibra's right now, but I would assume that he is having a similar year, uh, if not better. But let's see here, just to make sure. I just totally spelled that wrong. I'm just going to go with Zlatan. I feel like Ibrahimovic is too much to spell right now. There yeah, we go. That's... It's crazy that his market value is only four point four million. Obviously, it's because of age. But yeah, it's it's insane that his market value is so low. Zlatan has nineteen games, eight goals, two assists. So them combining for that's plus still, twenty yeah. goals and plus fifteen assists or something around that number is absolutely incredible. With players outside of those two contributing to goals, obviously you have Pekayo Tomori who is playing on AC Milan right now, and some other incredible players. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting one, but I'm going into... What did you say? I said AC Milan. Okay, nice. So, a, a one that we differ on and one that could pay out well for me. Or you. I'm almost hoping that it pays off. Yeah, I feel it. like you have this kind of pity for me now. It's not going to be... Yeah, yeah Shuddy especially needs me to win. <laughs> it's not going to be very entertaining if you're, you know, 20 games back and I'm like... Imagine I'm like 5 and 30. 
come whatever eight six eight pods. You don't win another one in two months. <laughs> that <laughs> would be tough. Just go the rest of the season yeah. without getting a single prediction, right? I think I'd quit the tough. podcast. That would be more impressive. That would be crazy impressive. That'd be more impressive than me staying five hundred. Now, yeah, that because that's getting everything wrong, which yeah. is also it's just as impressive as getting everything right. Exactly. So you could you could, you could say yeah, you could that say. my record right now is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. The next game that we'll be predicting is. Probably going to be the most watched game of this next week's period. It is the Manchester Derby. It has tons of history, similar to the Milan Derby, but obviously it will be widely televised in the United States, which makes a huge difference in viewership and whatnot. So it is probably going to be the biggest game that we all hear about. And it has two teams that are, you know, obviously Manchester United trying to climb their way up the table still, and Man City, who have found themselves in a very tricky situation over the past week, now only being three points clear of Liverpool. Exactly, and they play Liverpool in a couple weeks, I believe. So, for me, Man City with the win, I don't know if we're going to agree on this one or not, I don't know what your pick is, but I think Pep is, like you said, peeking around his shoulder, seeing Klopp, Coming up behind him, very close now. I think he's really, they're going to lock in uh, for the rest of the season and make it, try to make it not as close as it is now. And I think they're going to make a statement against a very, you know, unpredictable. Very shaky, I would say. Because it's like they have the ability to do very well on a given day, but then they also can be absolute shambles. Yes. (laughs) A betting man would bet on the more reliable team, and I'm going to go with Manchester City. Clearly, based on your record, you're a betting man, yeah. and I'm learning from that, so I'm also going Man City. <laughs> I don't want to... There is no way I'm going with Man United on this one. Yeah. And with that, it's probably going to go the other way. Yeah. It's probably going to... It's definitely going to go United. <laughs> I feel like I am controlling the outcome of these results now, because whatever Honestly, I say, it's going to be the other it's way. It's just going to be the opposite. So, <laughs> so we have... Different on the first one, same on the middle one. So we can go same again on the last one. We can? Yeah. So Because it's only one that you can go different, right? Or no, it's only one. One we can go the same, so we have to go different. Oh, we do have to go different. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. So do you want to... I'll go first. Yeah, I'll give you you the benefit here. So for the last one, it is LAFC, the current uh, favored winners of the MLS Cup versus Portland Timbers, the previous MLS Cup finalists. And I'm going to go with an LAFC win. I think if Carlos Vea can continue the form that he had in his first game and bring that into this game, that's going to be huge. One thing to notice is that he was the only goal scorer uh, from LAFC in their opening day performance. So that means if Carlos does not show up, there is a good chance that less goals will be going in. So I am desperate that Vea brings the same energy that he brought in that first game, but if he does, I think it's wraps for Timbers. So I'm going LFC. Okay, my choice is either a draw or a Timbers win. Yeah. Um, Are you going to go LFC? I probably would have, but I don't. I'm also okay with taking the underdog here. Okay, yeah. Um, so you're, are you? So you're taking the underdog, not for a draw. You're taking them for a win. Hmm. It's an interesting. It's also a hard one to say they're the underdog because they did so well last year. Yeah. So I'm gonna go, but it is hard because it is away. Um, but they did draw in their opening game against New England, which is a solid performance. So I think they're gonna take away. A, they're gonna steal a win away in LA. Uh, Timbers right. win. All right. Okay then. So, Not confident about it, but you know. Yeah. Well, the record shows that. If if. Yeah. You get that one right. If that's the one I get I right. Swear. Out of the three, then that would be incredible. That's but, that's because of me as well. Yeah. That's crazy. You need to quit. Yeah, I will. I would need to quit. We yeah. would need to stop doing predictions, or at least reset the records. I don't know if I yeah. can do that. That might be illegal. But. That might be. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be something that's allowed, yeah. but we'll see. Uh, that that concludes the predictions that we have for next week. Some good games. I hope that you guys all can get a chance to watch each of those games as 
I mean, two of them will be the, some of the biggest games Very that big over games, the week. Yeah. And then if you're obviously an MLS fan, I think the LAFC versus Portland Timbers game is probably... Great players the, on show. Yeah, great players on show and probably the biggest game in the MLS yeah. this, this coming week. But finishing it out with our fantasy performances throughout this past week or weekend. And overall, it was not a super ideal <laughs> week from me, at least I know. For both the yeah. draft and my picked team. Yeah, I mean, starting with my team, you see, I wasn't sure the game plan, um, my own game plan of having four starters not even be available to play um, for my <laughs> fantasy team. But honestly, being only four points below average, uh, the Southampton lads just carrying. Oh, they did. Eight points, Livermento. Six for Ward Prowse, captain, and six for Che Adams. I also had Salisu, and he got five. I mean, you can't ask for much more there. You um, can't, especially from only only what seven players playing. Yeah. So, uh, and you got thirty-two above I, average. I did. I got above average, but I'm very disappointed about it because on my bench, which you can't see, I had Matty Cash in third position, so he is not subbing in, and he got fourteen points. So and you did that last week, I believe, too. You no, did so I, I took Maddie. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. I'm not on a great streak with that. Wow. And I took Maddie Cash out because, he obviously, Villa were playing against Brighton. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to back a player who's playing as my team. Yeah. And then he goes on and scores and has a phenomenal performance, of course. And I had to watch that on the receiving end of that. So it was kind of like a double hit. Dennis is an interesting one to captain. Well, I'm he's been be doing honest. very well. Yeah, but out of the players you have, I feel like Bowen might have been a more logical choice, I'd say, even though he didn't do well. Uh, I mean, Dennis is just an, it, it confused. It, oh, well, I do have Ward-Prowse captains. <laughs> I feel I like the Ward-Prowse <laughs> captainship is probably... Well, I have Fernandez and De Bruyne. <laughs> <laughs> two players that we don't think are gonna play anytime yeah soon um but yeah I, overall not a great week for the the, the picked fantasy team yes. moving to the draft i finished with 20 points this is one that's much harder to do anything about you know moving your team around is still possible but with your given players that you drafted it's very difficult because a lot of your subs and bench players are actual bench players on their teams. So your team pretty much stays the same throughout the year unless you make trades with other teams. So it's much harder to to be more decisive or to make more decisions. But I think it's much more up to luck. But I did get 20 points this week, which I'm not happy about. It's not normal for my draft team. They usually get higher than that. And I did lose my match. I played against James, who was in the top of the league, and he had around. I needed 30 that. Points. I needed you, you. Did I yeah? Needed you to win that game. You did you need didn't. me to win that, yeah. which is unfortunate. You're trailing behind James by how many points? Three points. That's a yeah. That's crazy. So if you guys don't know, I mean, I don't know if we've really explained the draft in detail and like how it works on here, but the draft is obviously you have your team that gets the amount of points based on how the players play but each week you're matched up individually against someone else in your league and whoever gets more points in a head-to-head gets the win for that week so they get the three points and then there's a table kind of like normal soccer so if you get like three wins then you'll have nine points so right now i think i'm in fourth how many points do i have uh you're in fourth 45 points so 45 tied points. with eli in third with 45 points okay and then how far am i from you uh three points okay so it's it's pretty close at the top of the table yeah. six points between me and james so all of us at the top are actually doing pretty well but it's going to be an interesting one towards the end of the year it might get a bit feisty as there might be a title race going on exactly i won my match four, 18 to 14 very low scoring that's, week there. that's an interesting one. um but yeah 18 points Digne had a great performance um I mean, once again, Smith Rowe, Salah, and Van Dyke all just not playing. <laughs> it's not ideal. Um, no, it's not ideal. But at the same time, you get the win. Um, Kyle Walker Peters on the bench was not really what I wanted. Nine points from him. That's tough. Um, but maybe he'll sub in. I'm not sure how it works. Uh, I think it's set. No. I did sub him in though, because Southampton have a double game week this draft. week. Yeah, nice. this week. So Walker Peters is in with Ward Prowse. 
Hopefully they yeah. do the business. Uh, Get the job done. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're above Brighton, I believe. Yeah, you are. You've just surpassed us yeah. this week. Uh, let me go check the, the score. It's a great little run we're on. Oh, it is. You guys are doing really well right now. So, currently, Brighton is 10th, Southampton are in 9th, and you guys are two points ahead of we us. We played one more game, I think, right? Uh, no, we have the same. Oh, same now. Okay. So, and actually, everyone within... Um, I mean, both of the teams above and below you that are sandwiching you, Wolves and us, are on 26, and you guys are on 26. So you guys are okay. well in that yeah. mix. And definitely, if you continue this form, can, can continue to climb the table. But I also think that the Seagulls are going to ramp it up a bit, obviously. Graham's going to have a word. He is. He's going to say, boys, come on. What are we doing here? Boys, let's, the let's... beard is back. Well, it's because Webster has been out. Webdini. Webdini is... Quite possibly the best center back in the Is league. Duffy still playing? Yeah, it's a bit off and on. He, play, he plays when he wants. <laughs> <laughs> he plays when he wants. He just he goes after Gaffer, it. I'm in. To, I'm Gaffer, in, put me in today. Put me in this weekend. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, that's what you want out of your players. Yeah. You Take want... initiative there. Just oh, yeah. Like, I won't be playing. All right, I will be playing, actually. This week, I'm opting out. Yeah. I have some other things I need to attend to. I'm guesting on the Class on Grass podcast this week, so I need to get my rest. Exactly. That's what Duffy would say. Yeah. Great excuse. Mm-hmm. With that, we will leave you guys for the rest of your night to make sure you get some good sleep. Obviously, we did actually get some feedback from some listeners about how late it is, especially for our Eastern Time listeners. East Coast. Which we are taking into consideration now and possibly moving, because for you East Coast people, it's 1045 right now, and that's a bit late. So we're going to think about it and try to rethink our times and maybe move it a bit earlier. Uh, but hopefully you can watch some of the games that we have predicted for this coming week and you can enjoy yourselves and we'll be back again. We didn't even say. Oh, we did switch new, the shirt. New yeah, shirt before we, here. Before we, leave, we did switch the shirt. Hopefully actually, you liked it. It's a U.S. Futsal National Team shirt, but it's really quality and it looks really good. And overall, I think it suits the podcast well. I think it, it's, got, it's got a nice design there oh, on, the, on the feed so i think oh, it does. yeah it's, I think great. it's a good replacement there we will leave you guys with that and peace